In this episode of the David Watson podcast, I spoke with Ewan Mortimer and great chap, really nice young guy. And he is hopefully going to become one of the youngest Salisbury City councillors ever. And it was fascinating to chat with him about why he loves Salisbury so much, why he's proud of his city and what it is he's hoping to do with the local community. And he also had a great and interesting perspective on currently being a student in these COVID pandemic lockdown times. I really enjoyed talking to him and I hope you do too. Hello Ewan, welcome to the David Watson podcast. How are you? Hi David, I'm all right, thank you. Good, good. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. And just like we were discussing the weather and the, it's nice and sunny, but the wind's a bit chilly for me. So yeah, I mean, I, I've only just got up, so you know, I, haven't, I haven't had the time to go outside yet. We're, we're going to avoid any student stereotypes there with, I've just got up. Oh, and, I mean, you know. And, we're, and we'll, we'll pretend for the benefit of the podcast, it's, it's seven o'clock in the morning, not five yeah. past one in the afternoon. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, it is the holidays as well, so, you know. That, that's a good point, like actually. Yes. No, I stand corrected, you're right, it's Easter holidays, isn't it? So, um, so you actually at halls of residence now? No, no, no. I'm in. I'm in second year. So I've I've done my time in halls. But I never went to university, so I don't know what any of that means. But, oh, okay. so, <clears throat> so what? You're now in student accommodation oh, somewhere? Yeah. So well, no, no, I'm 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 renting private accommodation. So I'm just in a house with uh four other people, although two of them aren't here. Okay. Moment, so you know, it's a bit lonely, but it's all right. Yeah. And you're doing, I take it you're doing uh, online lessons, aren't you? You were saying on the phone. Lockdown yeah. Um, I mean, I think in the first term, when, you know, when when it, we weren't actually in lockdown, there I went onto campus maybe three times. Oh, what? For classes, but it was quite, it was quite strange because we had to wear masks and, you know, everyone was socially distanced. Um but yeah, apart from that, that's it. It's all been online. So I haven't, I haven't met any of my uh, classmates this year or my tutors, which is quite strange. Yeah. So how, what is the feeling amongst your friends with the whole wearing masks, not wearing masks, and all of that? Wearing masks. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't, I don't really think it comes up in conversation yeah. a lot. I, I don't, you know. I mean, we, we sometimes, you know, we'll go to the shops and we'll occasionally see people, you know, they'll be wearing, they'll be wearing it so that it's not covering their nose. Yeah. And you know that, I don't know, it's, it's not really, it's not really, you know, kind of a difficulty to us. We've just kind of gone along with it, I suppose. But, you know, you know, you notice people sometimes, you know, um, not wearing masks and it it does feel a bit off oh actually i i worked um during first term just like in a shop um and occasionally it was i had to wear a mask the entire time and i suppose i kind of got conditioned that if you were in a shop you had yeah. to wear a mask so i i was almost on the edge at times when people came in without masks it's um it's quite it's quite strange how all this has happened within one year that we you know 
I know. I, I know. I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm tr- I always try to be aware of any potential echo chamber that I might find myself in, mm. you know. So um, I, I always like to ask people, like, you know, what are your feelings? But I like your fact it's, you're right. We've kind of become conditioned to where we are. But if you'd have said to me yeah. 18 months ago, I'd never have believed this would have happened. I, I would never have believed the government would have got away with it. I really wouldn't have. No. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, well, I and mean, that, I. Go on, sorry. I was going to say, and I'm, I'm not knocking any government. I, I think any criticism only comes in hindsight, which I always think is hmm. unfair criticism. Um, but yeah, I, I just would not have believed that everybody would have just gone, okay, yeah, we're putting on masks. I'm never going out and I'm not going to go and see people. I'd have been like, no, not as we won't have it. And the whole world did it. <laughs> what do I know I, about human nature? Well, I mean, I, I, I still, I'll be honest, I'm not really sure when masks first came about because they almost seem like they've been around forever now. Yeah. You know, you know, it was only really mandated what in the summer that you had to wear masks in shops. And I don't know it, it, it seems almost my memory of it is fuzzy. It doesn't yeah. seem like, you know, it, it was, it seems like it's been, you know, aeons ago that masks have been around, but yeah, um, I mean, I, I work in care, so I have to wear PP mm. anyway. So it wasn't such a culture shock that we're suddenly wearing masks all the time because oh, well, yeah. I wear gloves, aprons and all that anyway. So it's just like, oh, right, okay. Yeah, well, you know, but it was just, um, like I said, I, I, I found it hard to believe just how easily um, the whole world just decided, okay, I won't go to work. I won't step outside my house. Yeah, yeah. And there hasn't really been huge challenges to it, you know. No. You know. I I honestly you... thought it would only happen if there was like dead bodies piling up in the street, like it was 1600s plague or something. Well, I mean, you say that, but then in Brazil, it almost is. I mean, I, I've, I don't know if you've seen pictures. No. Brazil during the height of it, they, they had, you know, they were on the verge of having mass graves at some point. It's, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Mm, it, it's, I mean, it, it I mean, when, when, when it first, you know, when the virus first kind of like made its way into England, I, my friends and I were kind of saying, you know, we were of that kind of like in the denial stage, we were like, oh, you know, it won't, you know, it won't affect us, everything will be, you know, it'll be a couple of weeks, everything will be fine. But I mean, then, you know, I mean, we're here now, and you <laughs> see you know, these images across the world, and it is, it is it's frightening, um, you know. Um, but what frightens me a lot more is how, you know, when it is over, well, if it's ever over, because obviously events like these, you're always, you know, they're going to have effects down the line for years to come. It's going to change the way we do things probably for the rest of our lives. Um, and, you know, you can, I mean, you can either go with the change or you can, you know, kind of get swept away by it. It's it's definitely unnerving yeah it's 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 an interesting time which kind of in a weird way can lead us up to one of the reasons uh you were introduced to me as somebody to talk on the podcast because you're tra- campaigning to become a salisbury city councillor yes <laughs> going to the the topic at hand it is um, can i just ask you to do a very quick favor could you just pull your curtains because the sun is directly is it- behind you yeah, sure. Is that all right? That's absolutely fine. 
I mean, it won't affect podcast listeners, I'm sure. No, it's it's just, it, I, and I don't bother people on YouTube. It's just when I'm talking to you, every now and again, because you, you and I sort of fidget, we both do it, right? Mm. Your head sort of moves and it disappears and all I've got is this body and this headless shape and it looks like the sun is talking to me. I don't know. Is it too dark now? No, 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 I'll be fine. No? Yeah. Okay. He's, like you say, m- most people listen to this on some, like Spotify or Podbean. Oh, yeah. or they, I, I don't have the grand numbers on YouTube as, as much as I'd like to. <laughs> so, yeah, how, how did you, like, the, the thing that fascinates me, just just for um, the benefit of people at home, um, how old are you? I'm 20. You're 20. So I, I will be 21 come July. July. But, yeah. So just for... What fascinates me, and this is with with anyone, is what on earth made like? Was there a day when you thought, "Yep, I want to be, I want to do something different. I, I think I'm going to become a a local councillor for my local city." I mean, I don't actually think it was. I I wasn't the one who decided really. Um, I at, at the start of January, I decided to join. Um, the local Conservative Party. And I think it was maybe in February, just a few months in, I got an email saying that, you know, they were looking for local councillors. And I suppose I, I like, I've always wanted to go into politics, I think. And I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, part of me was a bit, you know, oh, will I have the time because obviously, you know, I'd want, I'd be at university for a lot of the time. I'd want to go on and get a career, but equally at the same time, I mean, you can spend, you can spend your time worrying about these things or you can kind of, you know, do them and see where they take you. So part, like partly why I've decided to run, um, to, you know, experience local politics is because I want to see maybe where that path takes me. Um, I mean, I've always loved Salisbury, you know, this is one of the um, one of the great things about moving away to university is, especially in a cathedral city, you get to compare um, (laughs) your your local city to your home city. So, you know, I've. I mean, the the cathedral extra is nice, but it doesn't really compare. Do you sit there? Yeah. Do you sit there? So my city is better than your city. My cathedral is better than your cathedral. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, you <laughs> you get into a lot of arguments with um, other people about where they're from, whose city is best. And I suppose, you know, even so by doing that, you know, I kind of, you know, I find these arguments and like what well, Salisbury has, you know, great history, a lovely cathedral. Um, you know, it's a it's a great place. There's there's a lot of greenery. I mean, I, I live in um I live in Laverstock. Yeah. So I've, I've kind of got the perfect situation of being able to go into the hills you know into the rural countryside um but equally being very close to the well right next to the town oh, so yeah. Laverstock is a beautiful I, part of Salisbury oh no definitely um <laughs> so you know I've got the best of both worlds and it's just it's it's great that you know I mean I couldn't really see myself growing up in another city it kind of it it's almost like the perfect place to grow up because you have these green spaces, these gardens, you know, 
it's kind of like that idyllic setting might you know which i will say to my friends is if you're sitting on a you know kind of like sitting on a field in the summer the you know the sun setting you're just chilling with your friends and it's it's a good vibe I yeah no i really know how else to put it you know yeah no no i, I agree um Weirdly, it reminds me. I have a friend called uh, Lewis Brooks. Shout out to Brooksy, and he uh, does a lot of drum, uh, drum and bass MC and stuff like that. And he oh, yeah. was being interviewed at a festival where he was playing, and they were like, you know, and he bigged up. He did a big shout out to Salisbury. Do you know what I mean? So this is like a big London drum and bass podcast type interview. This guy's just walking around the drum and bass festival, and Brooksy's just come off the stage or something, and he's like, "No, shout out to Salisbury, mate." He said, "I love my hometown. I love the cathedral. I love everything about it." And it, it's and I love that sense of pride that people have because I, I although I'm from the area like you, I moved away for a bit. I, I lived in London for a while, came back sort of thing. And one of the things I came as soon as I came back, I was just like, um, "Salisbury's gorgeous. It is a beautiful place to live." You know, and I, I love that sense of pride you have that, you know, that actually all your friends that you'll actually sit down and argue about who has the best city. I love that oh, yeah. people taking pride in where they come from. Yeah. No, it's definitely, I don't know, it, seem, it seems almost very, it's probably, I mean, it's probably true for everyone, but it seems like a very English thing to do, you know, to <laughs> big up your city. And <laughs> I think, and, it, uh, I think it's, I think a lot of people can, if, if you're sort of, um, there's always town rivalries wherever you go around the world. To do what I mean, but has any has anyone like um, had like a top trump card that you can't beat? Do you know what I mean? Like they pulled something out of the bag. And you're like, okay, no, that makes your town where you're from special. Well, I mean, you. I mean, if I take Exeter as an example, <laughs> the the biggest, you know, the biggest killer of any, you know, I suppose Salisbury hype is a. Um, the fact that we only have one nightclub. I mean, especially amongst young people. That's a really good <laughs> source. Me, the only place in, in the country where you, you know, can't go out at night. <laughs> I mean, if you don't like the chapel, you're pretty much stuffed for a night. Yeah. Like... <laughs> That's a good point. So, so as long as it comes up as we're just talking about historical features in a 10-mile radius, so you can pull in Stonehenge, Old Serum, you know, you're fine. But as soon as they go on to nightlife, yeah, yeah. You're like, I'll hand this over to someone else. <laughs> yeah, no, Exeter has a uh, many, so I might have I might have to give that point to Exeter. Okay. <laughs> so we're we're going to concede a point to Exeter. There, shout out to Exeter Knife Line. Well, I mean, you know, nightlife. It's more about you know the good the good times with friends and memories that you make. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that's that's that pretty much encapsulates it all, isn't it? It's about the memories you can make with friends. That that's everything about nightlife. Um, actually no to be fair that's one thing i'll say about salisbury if you if you go on a night out if you go into any pub i guarantee you will see people you know and you will go over to obviously not at the moment but you will go over and have a chat with them yeah that's true that is true also do you mean it is actually that i don't drink that much these days but actually i remember um yeah when i was in salisbury back in the day which was a long time you know you're talking late 90s that was true you didn't have to i didn't ever have to arrange to meet anybody could just go into a pub there'd be somebody i knew and there'd be somebody in the next pub as well you know that that was the great thing about it so you're not in salisbury at the moment no no i live in ainsbury oh okay yeah no i'm ainsbury but it's kind of you know i i consider myself a salisbury boy although i've never i've never actually lived in salisbury but you know the the salisbury is like the kind of surrounding area yeah that's what i mean it is um and it, it comes from 
originally my dad was in the army, so I've lived in lots of places. Uh, yeah. We kind of settled in this area while while I was still young. And Salisbury's always been kind of... Um, I mean, because Ainsbury, when I first moved here, wasn't... Uh, when, well, when I was trying to think, I moved here when I was about 13, 14. Ains, Ainsbury was a tiny town. You know, it's yeah. about five times bigger than it was when I first moved here with all the new housing estates. Um, but Salisbury, especially as I got older, and it started when I moved away and come back, Salisbury, for me, has always kind of been where I define as, you know, I'm from the Salisbury area sort of thing because yeah, yeah. it's such a pivotal place. And, and like you, I, I, I just love Salisbury. I think it's a great city. Well, I mean, I, I, was, um, I was actually born in Watford, um, but I, I moved to Salisbury when I was nine months old, so I can't really say that Watford had any defining I used to work role in, in my upbringing. Yeah. Oh, I really? Worked, yeah, I worked in North, Wat- North, uh, North Watford for a couple of years for a BMW Fantastic. dealership. Yeah, <clears throat> Small world. I mean, I, most people know it for um, the Warner Bros. Studios. Yeah, yeah, you had uh, Pinewood yeah. Studios nearby. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, in Elstree. Elstree, I think it was. Because I used to work in a BMW dealership, so we used to get a lot of the chauffeur's cars coming in. Oh, fantastic. Amazing. Ne- never any of the celebrities, but we got, I met quite a few chauffeurs. <laughs> <laughs> and they never spoke. They never said anything out of turn to anyone. Do you know what I mean? So kind of, you know, <laughs> second-hand connections to celebrities. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that, that's literally it. There's a few. The, the interesting one is there were two types of chauffeurs. There were chauffeurs that were just drivers, and there were chauffeurs who were security. And some of them were serious people. Do you know what I mean? Did they did they kind of wear the sunglasses and the the black suits? They, they didn't wear the sunglasses. They wore they did wear black suits. A lot of them did wear, but some of them were just just being themselves were intimidating. Do you know what I mean? They just had that yeah, yeah. vibe of not only do you not want to mess with me, I've already killed three people this year. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they, they some of them were just they were they were I mean, so I, nice and polite, but they just had this vibe, yeah, yeah. and you was like. Phew. Don't know about that. I mean, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, it was, um, yeah, it wasn't just their size. And like I said, some drivers were just, some of the chauffeurs were just more taxi friendly type drivers. Mm. Um, whereas you get the odd driver come in and not only did he look like a brick wall, um, they were just, they just had a presence to them. And you just like, oh God, I hope this car goes okay. And you'd look at the paper. Oh, thank God! It's just an oil service. It's not complicated. We're not even. We can't screw this up. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So anyway, we kind of. This is like our phone conversation the other day. It was one thing, then another, then another. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> so I started the question that got us up to Watford somehow. Of who, who? So who was it who said to you to become a Salisbury City Councillor? Oh no. It, I don't. I think it was an automated email. <laughs> yeah, that's that said, what told me to. Oh, do you mean? Do you mean who act like who? Well, so the question actually was what, told me what or happened. Kind of... What was the day? You know, yeah. and you started talking about. Uh, uh, you did start talking about the email. That's where it started mm. from, and somehow that led us off to Watford. <laughs> well, what you mean when I when I made the decision? Yeah, how myself. did that come about? <clears throat> I think part part of it. I mean, like I said, I I wanted to go into politics. So again, it's that it's the idea that it's more why you know I I love my city. So why shouldn't I run? 
yeah. as opposed to why should I run? Um, you know, so, I mean, one thing that, um, for me, which I actually said in my interview, um, I mean, I've never, I've never really been engaged in local politics, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never really had any, you know, experiences in talking to local councillors or, you know, doing any kind of events put on by local councillors. And I mean, if you look at, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I watched this, um, it's probably not realistic, but I watched this show um, called Parks and Recreation, which kind of shows American city politics. Yeah. Um, and part of me kind of, I kind of felt like I, I wish I had, like, I wish I had had greater kind of, um, you know, a better introduction from a young age into city politics, kind of see, you know, to kind of be shown the city, see what's going on, even if it's just a couple of events, you know. So yeah. I felt to myself, well, if I if I think that maybe there's more to be done here, I should run so that I can then put those plans in place for people might, you know, for so yeah. that people growing up can have those experiences, which maybe I didn't have. Um, yeah, I think I think that's it, really. But I, I like something you said that is, it's not a question of why shouldn't I run, but not um, why am I running, but, you know, <clears throat> it's my city, so why shouldn't I run? Mm. You know, it, it's the opposite. It's it's more like a um, an obligation in return for the city. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, not so much, I don't think an obligation, but it's more that when, when you look at the council in Salisbury, I mean, I think my friend told me that were I to be elected, I would be the youngest person on the council. Um, I mean, it, in many ways, it's not my ideas which matter, it's more who I want to represent, which matters. So, yeah. you know, what I say is, you know, I want, I want to be a voice for young people in the council. Um, although I do think that the council is actually particularly on climate change has made, um, good progress. Um, in many ways, just being, just being that kind of, that member of the council who people my age will have something in common with. So, particularly i mean in the area i'm supposed to represent there's um there's wiltshire college salisbury sixth form godolphin and a lot a lot of um primary schools um but particularly for those kind of you know like the colleges and sixth forms yeah those are people my age and they're going to be going to university maybe next year or going to do apprenticeship apprenticeships and jobs <laughs> and the these are things you know these are issues and problems i have to deal with i mean i'm I'm supposed to be doing a work placement next year yeah. and I still haven't, I still haven't got any concrete leads on jobs, you know? Um, so, you know, pe people my age, we're all kind of facing the same issues. And unless someone at least, you know, stand, stands up and says, you know, try, tries to, tries to get involved in, local city government to try and change things to you know or at least bring these issues to light not much is going to be done so 
in in that way it's more that you know it's not it's not really an obligation it's that if i if i want to see change for myself i kind of i have to stand up and do it you know what it, yeah 100 i completely agree and that that's what fascinates me is because there's a few things is one and this is no disrespect to any current previous or serving uh, Salisbury City Councillor or any councillors around the country. But most of them will be old enough to either be your dad or your granddad or grandma or grandparent, you know what I mean, or mum or something. You know, they will be of parent age or grandparent age. You know? And more than ever, it's more important that we get people, if not so much involved in politics, but involved in their communities. And it's just, I don't care how efficient I could be being a counsellor I can't understand what your issues are I mean I'm more than twice your age I, I cannot you and I can sit down and discuss them I can try and help you I can try and be sympathetic I can demonstrate empathy you know I'll be brilliant at that you know but it's, it's just not possible for me to understand like you know about trying to get a work placement why that matters why that's important it, it's because that's behind me it's not in front of me and yeah and, and I just for so many of those reasons, like just the catchment area that, that you, you're going to be in is, with, you know, with the uh, the academy, the colleges, it just, I, yeah, I just honestly, I, I'm, tr I'm having trouble trying to articulate exactly why I think it's such a good idea that you're, that you're running for this and that you're doing this. Because well, that's there's... always the way, isn't it? <laughs> Like, you know, on a talk podcast, you can never actually articulate what you want to say. And it always gets a bit awkward. But that, that's what's great about long form podcasts. You can just, you can, you know, you can actually just sort of. Um, you can take your time. <laughs> yeah. But because there is a. There's a huge catchment area of people from sort of 15 to 25, right? In, in every city, there's a huge catchment area, 15 to 25. From 18 onwards, they can vote, all right? But very, f and they are probably predominantly the largest users of some of the facilities in every city that you, you go to, be it from yeah. recreation, sports clubs. The, the, the people are pretty much at the bottom of every job ladder. They're the ones trying to start out. They're the ones trying to achieve things. They are the ones with the least experience in life, right? In terms of, you know, if you're 18, it's unlikely that you've got a mortgage. It's unlikely that you've financed a car. It's unlikely that you're the manager of your own company. It's unlikely you've been bankrupt. Do you know what I mean? There's divorced. Yeah, yeah. There's all of these things. So everything coming to you is a first. And you offer a very unique perspective in you can't approach anything with bitterness or cynicism. You can only think, do you know what? I, that hasn't happened to me yet. So what would that be like? And how would I have to deal with that? And there, there's a perspective that you offer. Yeah. I mean, actually, going back to um, what you were saying about, you know, you can't, you can't understand um, my issues. Although, obviously, I think... I think, I think there can definitely be empathy there. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, on the, the empathy... The, yeah, the the other hand is that um, you know, I have no idea. Uh, a big part of lo local, you know, city council is planning applications. 
I've never had to make a planning app. I mean, I told you this on the phone. I've never yeah. had to make a planning application. I, you know, if I'm honest, it's it's not my number one concern. To <laughs> you know, um, but so, the you know, but that that's the case. You know, people, you know, older people on the council, they will have been able to make that. They have they have that perspective, and that way they're you know they're best suited for to make those decisions. Just as you know, you might say that yeah. Because I'm going, you know, I'm facing the same issues, um, um, challenges that young people are. I'm perhaps best placed to actually try and come up with solutions and uh, talk to people my age. Well, it's also, it's always, it doesn't matter how well versed people are or how well intentioned they are. If a certain um, section of the society is, for whatever reason, excluded from the decision making process, it can never be fair. Mm. Now, that's not, <clears throat> that's not any any area's fault if people who are 20 are not running and campaigning to become their local councillors but without some form of representation on those boards it, it it can't be all inclusive it can't all be fair yeah you know just just by definition and the problem with that is you will come across people who would genuinely support something that could do very good very well for younger people but there isn't a younger person there who would voice that opinion or that so you end up like i said to you earlier um when i asked you about the the masks and covid because i'm always trying to be wary of my echo chamber yeah well so like interestingly with planning right the main concerns with planning will be does it fit in with the current situation you know, or are you looking for an outlandish extension on your house? But actually, yeah, yeah. there's 20 houses in your street and 15 of them already have conservatories. So, yeah, you can have your conservatory. For the person that owns that house, it's all about value and creating living space. You know, <clears throat> But when it comes to, like, when you mentioned nightclubs, if you're a retired person, a nightclub isn't a priority to you. You know, it's, it's like, so it's very easy to vote against a nightclub. It's potentially, and you can come up with a hundred arguments about why you shouldn't have an arg, uh, a nightclub, from litter to noise to police presence to vandalism to people urinating in the street, etc., etc., etc. Right? <clears throat> more drugs, more crime, everything. Mm. Right? And they're all valid. But when there's twenty people sitting on the board with the same opinion, because they all feel the same, and they're all over. 45, 65, whatever, you're not going to get that nightclub passed. Yeah. Right. But if you've got, well, I, young... mean, I, I, I hope I won't be, you know, make, make my career around lobbying, lobbying for another nightclub in Salisbury. <laughs> but you, you, you just, you know, but it's the same. It applies to festivals. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Festivals, licenses is it's <clears throat> nobody has, you have a unique perspective that nobody else can offer no matter how well they try or how well-intentioned they are. And, that, and that's, I think, the bit is, I think it's important to, for anyone listening to understand is I'm not suggesting that uh, other councillors are not well-intentioned and don't want the best for their, for their areas. I'm just saying if you don't have a, a unique perspective, then you just don't have it. And then that means you, your local councillors are lacking something. No, that's a, no, I definitely agree with you. I mean, one one of the um, 
one of the people I'm standing with, Joe King. Um, she's actually very nice. Um, she is actually um, quite keen on providing facilities for young people as well. She works. Um, she works um, with local church groups um, around Bishop um, Bishop Down. Um, yeah, Bishop Down, and they they tend to put on you know a lot of you know these groups. And she was she actually put forward an idea of making Salisbury um, a city of music, um, which is which is fascinating, you know. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, I, I remember before the pandemic, there used to be so many music events outside the Guild Hall and stuff. Um, but one of the ideas that was put forward was having, you know, a permanent stage, and I think that's fantastic. You know that you, know, you can put on these um, community events in Salisbury, but at the same time, like a lot of young people like me, you know, they'll be moving on to do jobs, universities, apprenticeships, and they might even be leaving Salisbury. And it's that it's that kind of um, you know, almost that that liminal phase of um, ad you know adolescence and and um, adulthood. That is, I suppose, I'm more concerned with. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's And that's a great representation on the local council. Because you're in a prime position to be able to give advice. A prime position yeah. to understand what that feels like, what, what that means. You know, because it, it's, it's potentially the most important phase of, of someone's life. Because... <clears throat> Although, in, in a sense, and by the way, I could be completely wrong, so just correct me at any time, right? Is, but in a sense, school years are quite protective because you're pretty much within an institution that everybody understands that's quite well protected. And even though you have to go through, like, from childhood into puberty and stuff, you already understand the rules and structures. It's all there. It's all in place. <clears throat> and you just kind of get bigger as you go along, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and the things you're interested in change, you know? Um, and your friends turn up every day. So th there's very little demands on you in terms of surviving and having to make your own decisions. But as soon as you leave school or leave college and you get into workplaces, your life becomes very diverse and the decisions you make directly impact how tomorrow's going to turn out and how next month turns out and next week, you know, next year. And you move into phases where actually you stop living at home and you start moving in with partners, boyfriends, girlfriends. Some people have kids, you know, some people get great jobs. Some people go down the route of education. And then like, like you have, you're going to come to, you're coming to the end of that and then you've got to find a job. And you come into an environment where there's stress and anxiety on a level that you've never had to deal with before. It's new. Mm. It, it, just because of literally, this is your age. These are the choices you've made up to here. Oh, by the way, we're just going to unravel this little section for you. You've never been able to deal with it before. And people like me will say, look, don't worry, it all works out eventually. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. we're not sitting there in your position. We've, we've already done all of that. We've already made our ton of mistakes and learned our big basket of wisdom. It's great, you know, but it came from a whole load of fuck-ups. 
Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then there was some yeah, yeah. Near, near scrapes and some close encounters. It's like, oh, thank God for that. I missed that one. Do you know what I mean? Or the guy well, next well, to I me think, took that tumble. Yeah. Well, I think that's why a lot of um, people my age have found the pandemic particularly hard because that, those kind of structures you were talking about have mm. been completely removed, you know, in an instant. And um, but it's, it's true because, sorry, and I, I did want to cut you off there. A lot of my friends were furloughed. So I, I work in healthcare, so I was busier than ever. And so yeah, yeah. The, the pandemic had almost zero impact on me because I was working nearly every day. So I was out every day, shopping for clients, getting medication for clients, driving around on empty roads. So it was like I was never stuck in a traffic jam. It was brilliant. I loved it, right? <clears throat> so it had, in terms of, okay, I didn't get to see friends, but I'm working with people. I haven't lost any interaction with people face to face. And it, it, in terms of that, it had very little impact on me. Friends of mine who were furloughed who had kids, they loved it. Some of them were working from home. Some of them weren't working at all. And for the first time in their lives, got to hang out with their kids every day. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They were yeah. like, this is brilliant. They got all their DIY done. They got all their garden projects done. They went out for walks with the kids every day. Life was good. Their partners were happy, you know. And honestly, not it wasn't the same for all of them, but a large majority of my friends who were furloughed or didn't have to go to work have enjoyed the pandemic. And we were really reluctant to go back to yeah, work. Yeah. And one of my friends, um, he's one of my closest friends, he's um, he's down in Somerset, you know, and we had the beauty of things like FaceTime, like you and I are now. And he was just like, he loved it. He got all the arts and crafts out, learned how to pace everything from princesses to dragons and painting. And with his kids, he said he'd never have had to do that. And somebody was paying his wages. He said, yeah, it's great. You know? He started digging his allotment, yeah. everything. He had a great time during lockdown. <laughs> and that, that's, what, you know, so it is, it's different for everybody. Yeah, but then, you know, obviously then there's people my age, where people are getting new jobs, they're expected to, they might have been anticipating to move out. Yeah. You know, to go to their place of work, but then they're told, no, it's going to be online. They're still stuck with their parents, but they're, you know, entering that that new phase of getting a job or going to university and it's 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 it almost doesn't feel real at times because nothing's really changed you know your setting your surroundings haven't changed and um you know you're you're it's you're not although you're expected to do these things which are now you know would be expected of someone who is independent you're also you're also not independent because you're still living with your parents you know they're still you know maybe giving you rules in the house they're still providing for you it's no it's true because if you it's don't difficult yeah because if, you, if you're suddenly a student and you're now online from your bedroom relying on the internet connection it, that's not the same as turning up at university and meeting new people discovering who's who what's what meeting new teachers where for the first time in your life you're out of view of parents and you actually get to make your own decisions. You get to make your... And that is different because, as everybody knows at school, the friends you have at school is because you're all put in the same classroom together. You know, Well, there's a new bunch of people from university and you're all going to have different interests from different areas, studying different things. And you could end up in the same house as them, the same halls as them, the same classes as them. 
or you bump into them in student bar. And for the first time, you get an emergence of kind of new people, new cultures, new opinions, just, just everything. And then, and that in itself gives you a learning curve for independence and discovering who you are and who you want to be. And from there, like you say, if, if you, the same as you get a new job, you, there's a little bit that is about turning up to a building and walking in and saying, hi, I, I'm Ewan, I'm starting today. And you have to get to know people. You have to get to know who's the boss, who's the boss's pet, who the managers are, you know, who, yeah. who's the person you don't go drinking with on a Friday lunchtime. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's all these little things and kind of like office politics and stuff, which is part of the growing phase. And when you, like you say, and when you go to work, you become yourself. Your colleagues don't see you in the same way that your parents do. Your, your colleagues have different expectations you, on you based on what the role is. And you become independent in that. And it's very strange. And I do remember the first time I, I was in my early 20s and I was working. And a per, it was like, you know, somebody in the office or in the workshop or something came in and was asking me for an opinion. And they were the same age as my dad. Because my dad would never have spoken to me with that same level of respect. There was no way we were on equal playing terms. It just didn't happen. And suddenly you're cast, you know, and you actually end up going out on a Friday night with this guy and having a drink and a curry. And yeah. he's, it turns out he's the same age as your parents. But to him, you're his workmate. You're not, and he has children the same age, age as you, and he treats you differently to how he treat his own children, because he he's looking at me as an adult who works with him. My age is irrelevant, and yeah, like yeah. and like you're saying is you can't do that if you're still sitting at home, but you're supposed to be at work, but you're working remotely. It just doesn't work. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean. What more can I say on that? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, but it's a really good point because I'd never have thought of that. And again, which comes back to why I do think you're uniquely qualified to, to um, represent a certain part of Salisbury. Yeah. So how are you going about your campaigning? <sighs> I mean, at the moment, you know, we can only really... Um, deliver leaflets um however the the leaflet for our area for city council hasn't been created yet um still to be honest i'm still not 100 percent on when it's actually going to come out um but until then really it's i suppose kind of like informal engagements like this i yeah. you know talking to you or really taking my taking my dog uh, just around <laughs> the area, you know, and kind of like, you know, <laughs> maybe using her as a as a bargaining tool to, you know, start a conversation. <laughs> um, I mean, I I have I have um I've been on a few um, leaflet rounds with um the the guy who's standing for Wiltshire Council, Charles yeah. McGrath, who is actually standing for City Council as well in the same area. Um, I mean, th this is the thing because I because I only joined um, at the start of this year, I've never I've never you know electioneered or canvassed yeah. before, so it's all it's all very new to me. Um, I'll be honest, going going out and trying to talk to people just out on the street is one one of the most 
you know i've never been so nervous in, in doing it you know but um so there, there's this point where I'd, I'd kind of observe charles you know I, i'd stand back and like let let he'd be like i'll take this one so he'd go up to someone and just say oh hi good morning and they you know this is the thing like people are either most people make up their minds um before they've even met you so that i'm yeah. going to say hi you know how are you yes i'll take a leaflet or they'll just say no um i was lucky in that when when it was my turn after watching charles i i then went up to someone who said hi my friend charles is running for Wiltshire council would you be interested in this leaflet and they said yes um thankfully so you know i was get you know i was given a bit of courage off of that yeah hopefully the same thing will happen when i go around um but i i mean this is uh like i'm i do posts on facebook but at the moment because of covid i can't i you know i can't go around knocking on people's doors and yeah you know, a good way to debate with them and stuff yeah no a, a good way forward if, if you wanted some advice you know so i don't want to be disrespectful oh, no, definitely is when you when you're trying to cold hit somebody be honest mm. up front just yeah. don't don't just say you know literally good morning i don't want to waste your time but i would like you to take a leaflet do you have two minutes because you've told them exactly what you want from them straight away yeah yeah you know and because what annoys people is being suckered in you know like mm. do you it's just like just like literally hi i'm running for local council do you have two minutes to take a leaflet and you've told I mean, them that, exactly. Yeah, they've told them straight away I, and not wasted a minute of their life. I think I think I did say I said hi. My friend is running for Wiltshire yeah. Council. Here's a leaflet. No, I definitely. I think I, I I couldn't think of anything, especially when I get calls. You know, you get cold callers and they yeah. say, "Hi, how are you? Hmm. Good day." To, it's a bit odd. Um, I have I actually going back to a, how I'm, I have rung a couple of people and um, I mean this is this is how I met Amanda I was just um, I was just <laughs> I we we have a list of all you know like um, the members of the party in the local area and I was just you know, going through calling them length and and I just asked like hello is this yeah um, is this is this David. Hi, my name's Ewan Mortimer. I'm just calling because I've been selected as a local candidate for, uh, you know, city council elections. I just want to, I just want to hear if you had any um, concerns in the local area, if you had any questions for me. And that's how, you know, and yeah. actually I've had, I had a few, um, I'd say excellent discussions really, because like I said, um, I've never really been involved in local politics before so getting getting to hear you know what people's concerns were and actually surprisingly a lot of them were similar to mine i mean there's this area on um milford mill road which constantly floods and actually i think my suspension in my car was uh it was <laughs> damaged because of it so now i'm now i'm very passionately you know on the side of the residents yeah, <laughs> to yeah. get but that's that's a really good point though isn't it because learning things like that from the local residents it's potentially an in for a conversation you know because if somebody says well you know i'm not sure about local politics you say well you know one of the things we're really concerned about is the flooding down there and what what are we going to get done about that yeah i think 
Mate, going back to right at the beginning where you said, <laughs> when did you decide to vote, run for local council? I think it was when my <laughs> suspension broke. <laughs> but that's that's a, the best example of local issues, local problems. I need to sort this out. I need to be a part of this. I mean, now now that I've heard it, I you know I can't go out in the city and not you know not notice things that I want to fix. Like um, you know, you you go through the centre, you know, or, or like one of the one way side streets in Salisbury, and the amount of potholes that are there. Yeah. And I think to myself, <clears throat> well, this this is you know this is not great on my car. It's not going to be great on everyone else's car either. Someone should someone should stand up and try and fix this. You know. But they are relatable issues because if if you lose a tire to something like that, especially in yeah, yeah, times now, th that's exactly it. it's a lot of money, and that affects everybody across the ages. It doesn't matter, mm. you know, um, and it doesn't matter how deep your pockets are. Expensive is expensive. Yeah, yeah. What do your friends think about this? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I I told uh, my uni friends. I can't I can't remember what they said. I think they just said, "Oh, cool." Oh, what? I I mean, um, I think I think it's more my my friends from Salisbury. <laughs> You know, they were they were like, oh, what the hell, Tory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, when you said conservative at the beginning, I was just like, I was waiting for the point when you'd bring that up. Because I'm, well, by yeah. the way, I'm not part, party political. I'm not. And one of the biggest, my biggest bugbears with people, stop voting for parties, mm. vote for your MP. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, on, on you know, local politics, <laughs> like... I, I guarantee you, were I to stand for Labour or the Conservatives, I would probably be standing for the exact same things on, you know, the local council. That's why I say to people, you should actually vote. If you're going to vote, vote for the person, not the party. Mm. You, you know, I wish people would disengage from, I'm voting, whether it be Labour, Green, Lib Dems, um, Conservative, regardless of what they do. Because you can't... Yeah. You can't get accountability from politicians that way. What you get is mm. politicians, and this is human nature, who are hungry for for survival. Yeah, and yeah. they know they they will go. And in my experience of politics, there isn't much difference between the parties, but with the end result, <clears throat> they're just. Do you know what I mean? They they all champion whatever they believe is going to get them votes. Yeah, I've seen many a party manifesto over general elections over the years. They start off saying one thing, realise that's not popular, and then don't do it. I mean, look, the last general election, regardless of people's feelings on it, all the parties, except Boris Johnson, voted for some form of negotiation with the EU or remain. Boris Johnson, we're, we're leaving. Brexit is leaving, and uh, leave means leave. What do you think about crime and figures? If you vote for me, you're getting Brexit. What do you think about the NHS? If you vote for me, I'm delivering Brexit. Biggest landslide, a demolition of Labour in its history. Because he only talked about one thing, what he thought people wanted. And it was a gamble. Whether people like it or not, it paid off, but it turned out two-thirds of the country wanted it. Yeah. And for the first time ever, I mean, if people don't talk about the fact, in Tony Blair's old consist constituency, 
lost its seat to the Conservatives. It's never been Conservative in its entire history. <clears throat> but for the first time, people voted for what they wanted. And I wish people would do that all the time. Not worry about whether it's Labour or it's Conservative. Get involved with your local councils, get involved with your local MPs and say, this is what I want. <clears throat> and then, because I, I hate party politics, just because yeah. it's, it becomes about survival. And I don't think it should matter what badge you wear, what tie you wear. What I need is somebody that's supporting my community. And, you know, but it's, I find it interesting that your friends from uni were like, yeah, fair play, well done. That's cool. And Salisbury were like, Tories, wanker. <laughs> you know, especially seeing it's a history, if they knew the history of Salisbury, they'd know it's always been conservative. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it is it is interesting that, you know, you talk about, talk about party politics and that <laughs> really they're no different. I mean... Different in delivery I mean, it, and outcome. Yeah, I mean, in in many ways... I think for me it's almost it's almost a benefit in some ways because I mean you look at you know you look at say America where things are extremely divided and I can't I can't help but feel almost grateful that you know you can at least I can at least you know I I can well at times I can support you know what a labor can I mean like take um Claire Moody, who was um, the ME, you know, the MEP, Labour MEP for the Southwest up mm. until 2019, I think. Um, she's actually she's standing for city council, um, and honestly, I I hope she gets it because yeah. someone with the experience of an MEP on city council is going to be extremely valuable. Um, you know, even you know, even if she doesn't agree. Well, perhaps, you know, if we disagree on a couple of issues, it's, you know, having that, you know, that experience there will be extremely beneficial. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think I think that it's good that you can, you know, we don't we don't I, I mean, you know, things might change. You never know how far they change and people might disagree. But I think at least in this country, you can find common ground with most people and most things. Um I don't think this country is is as divisive as the media would like you to believe it is. Mm. Is the there is a lot of money to be made within the media and within think tanks to create um divide. You know, um there is I'll put it this way, if you removed a lot of money from a lot of these campaigns, you'd be amazed how they disappeared because people aren't following it for their passion, they're following it for the wages. And and by that, I mean, it, it in itself has become an income. Do you know what mm. I mean? If we, if we can, yeah, yeah. And, and it was actually, you know, just a simple, you, you'll understand this study in the classics and history. Rome, Rome was based on divide and conquer. And that's not how people think it is. What Romans were very good at doing was actually asking you if you wanted to join forces. And if they could get enough clans to join forces... They weren't worried about the ones that didn't. And that was divide and conquer. They split communities so they could conquer the entire community. But the Romans were actually what they were effective at, really, really effective at, was working with people. <laughs> and building up big enough forces in that area 
that they could oppose anybody that went against them. But they I didn't. Mean, Go. Look, so it's just very interesting because um, I don't, I don't want to come on a big tangent, but what, my most recent essay on Roman history um, was actually on this process of Romanization and I and getting basically um, getting creating Romans in the local communities and a big part of it is what is that you know a big debate is was Romanization a process that came from Rome you know from like you know the Senate and I suppose like you know the emperors or was it a process that began in the provinces in the local elites wanting to solidify their power over their own population and creating ties with Rome. So you get people like, you know, um, <laughs> King Herod in Jerusalem, who actually built a lot of, um, a lot of architecture and temp, you know, a lot of his temples and cities were very similar to the Roman style. And, you know, that kind of Roman, um, Romanizing aspect. And you also get similar cases in Britain. Um, you know, in Bath and stuff, where maybe perhaps local kings were adapting to Roman rule to gain more influence and power in their local area. Yeah. Um, so, no, it's just interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, and, and that's actually how the Romans did it. You know, that they were kind of in a... For all of their reputation for um, their armies, they were very much a, a mercantile government as well. It was based on trade and merchandise and... Let's, you know, these are our merchants, these are our products, you know, let's integrate into your markets and your communities. And it's the war, the battles were with the communities that didn't want to do that. But by that time, you know, they might have taken over most of southern England. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, and that's where the, you know, it was the Romans that created that divide and conquer. We will, but it actually comes from, we want to join forces with you. And if you, yeah. and if you don't, well, then we'll divide your community and, and conquer you. But the rest of the community, like you say, the ones that are trying to gain power and align themselves with the Romans, well, then before you know it, if you've got a structure that's evolved around sort of like an area that's evolved around 10 clans, six of them get pally with the Romans, the Romans aren't bothered about the other four. And whether they like it or not, they will fall into line, but maybe with a yeah. small skirmish. And then mm. well, we'll just remove that leader and put in a leader that wants us. You know, and so yeah, I going back to what we were saying. I, I don't think the country is as divided as the media would like us to believe. Um, I think one of the things is that, and this has always been the same. All of these companies are always trying to make have some form of revenue, and that's shock scandal headlines itself. Yeah. So how are you? Are you reaching out to friends in Salisbury to get them to vote for you? That those that can um no because they don't actually live in my the ward ah. so they can't vote for me um but there i have a group of um three three friends and i'll probably i'll probably get a couple of more who have at least promised to be like you know my my campaign team you know, so I'm hoping that, you know, with the rule of six, we'll be able to go out and deliver a lot of leaflets when I finally have them. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, they, they've at least promised me that much that they'll support me, even if they don't support the party. So because so, this is the thing, you see, is I if there's if there's two messages I'd love to get across today, what is vote for you in? OK, first and foremost, vote you in. Yes. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> um, but the second one is 
stop with the parties. Vote for the person. Do you know what I mean? Listen to what you've got to say and why that's important. And then decide. Do you know what I mean? And either make the correct decision or live with the guilt of the wrong decision. Okay? But it's it's because like you say it's this i have friends and it like i'd never vote labor i'd never vote conservative and i just like yeah. i it's it's different for me because i've never had that affiliation to anyone it's like i ever like what you've got to say and agree with them or i don't you know and and, it, and it's, i've always been fortunate i feel i'm fortunate because that's how i've always been able to see the world is i don't you know but mm. i think for me the only thing with parties now, maybe I slightly disagree on. Um, my my friend and I, who has act, who actually lives in Salisbury, and said to me, "Oh, Tory," <laughs> he was yeah. one of the, he was one of those. Um, no, but so, this is the thing: we actually agree on a lot. We um we kind of spent ages, almost all summer, I suppose, um, deconstructing our beliefs. And I suppose why why I decided to join the Conservatives is because. As I broke it, you know, as I broke it down, I decided that for me, um, and, you know, maybe this will change with time. I I think that the individual, you know, kind of like individual liberty is the most important, you know, kind of unit in society, you know, yeah, in that. You know, I agree. Yeah. That, that's um, why I and, said at the beginning, I can't believe we're where we are. I didn't think people would give up their liberty so easily. Yeah. Well, th- this is the difference between... Um, me and him is that i i like he he's almost he would refuse to make any kind of um you know compromise in that sense you know he he he's very much he's very much a total libertarian um in that you know he believes you know there shouldn't be any government regulation of anything um but he supports labor well, no, no, he 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 supports neither. Okay. Um, no, no, no. Um, whereas I would at least, you know, I, I, I would at least concede that there is, you know, there there are moments for pragmatism, and the, and for you know at least um, the the problem you know, with complete libertarianism is the it's the belief comes from the basis that everyone will behave well. And that everyone will yeah. behave in the best interests of the community. That isn't human nature. And and just history tells us without some form of government rule and some form of law enforcement, whether that be military or police, whichever, or a combination of both like we have in this country, you can't keep certain factors in, under control. Because 95%, 99% of the community are not going to be the issue. <laughs> but... yeah. If complete libertarianism where we don't have anything, well, how, how do you stop those that will take what they want, won't pay their taxes, and then like, well, we're going to have to regulate for that. Okay, right, so now we're back to government. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Uh, and obviously, like, during a pandemic, again, it's, you know, well, you need a government to enforce some kind of order to protect, you know, the health of everyone. Because yeah. if you don't, then then the individual is at risk because they may catch the disease and you know it's um that that's the thing it's accepting these you know these pragmatic approaches which is why i you know why he you know doesn't stand for um local you know doesn't decide to stand with a party 
and stand in local, you know, like, you know, local politics, whereas I do. Um, because, well, if you look at any country that any country that doesn't have a recognised government, mm. it's controlled by either a dictator or a warlord. And the difference between the two is whether you call them a warlord or a dictator. But the practice of both is the same. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's where libertarianism will eventually take you. Somebody will rise to power and control everything because that's what happens. Well, it's like, it's like that thing that, li- li- <laughs> you know, you go so far. Well, like you go, if you libertarianism is almost just another another word for anarchism (laughs) (laughs) almost it is it's it's just the it's the ideal over the practice Hmm. you know libertarianism it's it sounds great and it sounds great in gesture but at its roots in practice it just becomes anarchy because you're somewhere you have to have a set of rules or guides guidelines that you expect everyone to adhere to yeah well then how do you enforce it we're back to local government and police forces well exactly yeah yeah. You, you yeah exactly you elect a police and crime commissioner who will <laughs> promise more police you know in the and, and uh and somebody i have spoken to actually on the wiltshire crime and police commissioner is mike reeves he uh is an independent I yeah I I think you um did you speak um I spe- to Orlando uh, about No I found him oh, okay. on Facebook he just appeared somebody put him on a post and I just like oh so I just I sent him so. a message and said oh would you like to talk he was like yeah I'd love to and he's an ex police officer he lives up in Swindon uh not Swindon he's near Swindon he was a police officer in Swindon I'm trying to think mm. where he is but yeah he um because he's campaigning one of his campaigns is he wants uh, the police station in Salisbury reinstated. Oh yeah, because it became um the it came uh, an UPC, academy, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, he's not necessarily. You don't have to give him back that police station, but where's the money gone for the police station that was closed down? There was supposed to be yeah. a new police station built. It was never supposed to be at Bourne Hill. That was supposed to be a temporary measure, but they've now kind of moved officers into Bourne Hill, and mm. it's become a more permanent thing. And it's like, no, no, Salisbury needs to have its own police station. It's a city for crying out loud that doesn't actually have a police station. Yeah. I mean, it's actually interesting you bring this up. I think I, I was in I was in a meeting with the other candidates and someone brought this up. You know, they, they're speaking to kind of um, ex-police officers. And I think one of the things that came up was um, why there, there weren't holding cells um, in, I think, at Bourne Hill. Mm. I mean, I, honestly, I can't, I can't, there I, aren't this any. Is the thing. Yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too young to you know the ins and outs. Um, and I'm not a police officer, but I think, um, one, one of the, um, one of the other candidates did actually make the point that, um, if you want, if you want holding cells, you then like, I think to, to act, the cost of them would be something like, Maybe like seventy, or like seven. I can't remember the exact yeah. figure. It's a big figure, um, but it basically came down to um, the fact that it's not the cost of building the cells; it's hiring people who have to who would have to stay yeah. in that cell, look over them, and and, and you know and you know um, care for their well being and 
and then it becomes an issue of not not you know do you want holding cells it becomes an issue of do you want police officers on the street or do you want them in the police station um and then, then you know it becomes difficult you know this is, this is where it becomes articles. politics isn't it because every mm. police officer knows there's a nationwide scheme called the appropriate adult scheme i know that because i used to be one yeah yeah and a volunteer members of the public like an myself. appropriate adult you used to be <laughs> i used to be an appropriate adult yeah and i'd go to police stations and make sure that young offenders people with mental health were taken care of properly and i'd sit Fantastic. down in, in interviews with them and make sure they mm. weren't screwed over by the police officer or didn't get re bad representation from their solicitors now <clears throat> this was the early noughties so things have changed a little bit since then i yeah. imagine um but that's not a reason not to have because what they don't talk about is every time you get arrested you have to be taken to melksham mm. and then when you're released you have to find your own way home if somebody's arrested for drink driving they have a, at least an hour before they're going to be breathalyzed on a yeah, calibrated yeah. machine. And I, I know this because I've spoken to police officers that they know if you're just above a certain limit, there's no point taking you to Melksham. It's easy to just let you go because by the time you get there, they know you're going to be too sober. You're mm. so you're going to sober up and you'll pass. The yeah. 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 There's not going to be any point. You know? So it's the fact of the matter is we're a city and we don't have a police station mm. and when you arrest somebody that police officer then has to take them to chippenham or no melksham i think it is trowbridge or melksham so they're they're then pretty much well that's an hour each way and they're going to be there for a couple of hours so they're the argument would you want them on the streets or do you want them on the town they're not actually going to be on the streets are they no no because they're going to be no, driving no. to and from yeah so now there's two hours lost just there for processing before you even start processing and paperwork there's two hours lost just there driving backwards and forwards yeah you know it's somebody spent the money that was put aside for the police station as i understand it it would have been ring fenced when they shut the police station down. but it's I, you know, yeah i i i know i know that it's been ring fenced but um so, so where's the money <laughs> but it it could be to I, be I fair it is to be fair it, it could be that look the pandemic look the things the problem the, you, to before we get critical we have to take into consideration a couple of things that happened locally mm -hmm. global nationally and globally we had the pandemic okay and then locally we had the Novacek crisis yeah you know and that was all at the same time as this was happening with the police you know the police were temporarily moved into Bourne Hill and then Novacek happened and you know, so I, I, the the reason I'm saying that is because I don't like criticizing when I'm not a part of the people that uh, making the decisions, and two, I'm aware of things happened that nationally and locally that would have put pressure on that, and perhaps is actually a very valid reason to why things mm -hmm. didn't happen. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it, it's also you know a lot of these things. It's, I mean, obviously. I'm not a lot a lot of you know the funding for these things will come from well they'll come from central government through Wiltshire Council and yeah. it, it becomes it becomes an issue of you know oh you have two things that you need to spend money on which would you rather have and it's I mean obviously you know I'm still still yet to see um this stuff in person 
Um, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's, you know, it's difficult making these decisions. It is. I can imagine. Yeah. It's incredibly difficult because everybody, I put it right now, give, if you put the right sort of, I can't think of a good example to my head. Um, but say just you've got this ring fence set of money that can either go on the police station or it can go on an amenity, which is really fun and attractive. Who's going to vote for a police station? <laughs> exactly, yeah. You know, and, and that's kind of um, the danger you're in. But just before we, we round up, um, how do people... Cause, so what area are you campaigning for? Milford. Well, it's it's... The ward is called Milford, but it's Saint, it's Bishop Down, St. Mark's and Milford um, because the two wards were joined, I think, in a boundary review. Yeah. Um, so it's actually instead rather than two people representing St. Mark's and Bishop Down, there's going to be three people representing St. Mark's, Bishop Down and Milford. Right. OK. So you're not in the Laverstock. That doesn't come under Laverstock or is Laverstock part of that? No, but it's right next to Laverstock. It's because Laverstock isn't actually part of the city. It's no, a, it's, yeah, of course. It, it, it's it's a it's a point of pride. Um, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't I was I don't think I was ever offered the opportunity to stand in for Laverstock. Um, so you know, I mean, yeah. this is Salisbury is it's. It's 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 great, but it's also very it's small. You know, yeah. I I know every part of Salisbury, and you know to get into the centre of town, I go through Milford all the time, and you know it, it's my area as much as Laverstock is. You know, yeah, no, no, I I agree, I completely agree. Um, so and how do people find you? How do people find me? Yeah, so for people who want to vote for you, want to campaign for you. Oh, or on, people on do... social media or... Yeah, all of those. Out all... in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not suggesting anybody camps outside his house. Um, so, yeah, no addresses. Um, but, yeah, if people want to... Um, is there a website? Is, there, is it just Facebook? Is it Instagram? Um, I, I have a Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, actually. Um, so my Facebook page is just Mortimer, Mortimer for Milford. Um, so like my last name. Yeah. Um, uh, social media is, I mean, not social media, Instagram is the same. Um, Mortimer. I'm just going to make sure I, I didn't spell it. Yeah. It's, um, Mortimer, Mortimer underscore four underscore Milford. Um, it's actually linked on my Facebook page and then my Twitter is just you and Mortimer. Um, Okay, let me just. While Although I'm not as active on that one. Mortimer. Say Mortimer underscore for Milford. Yeah. Is it for Milford? Yeah, yeah. So under yeah. underscore where a space would be. Okay. Right, followed you. So I followed you on Instagram. Fantastic. So yeah, no, that's just popped up. So I'll share that, and uh, and I'll find you on Facebook, and I'll put all the links in. And, Fantastic. Uh, is there anything before we go that you'd like to say to people? 
other than vote for Ewan. <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, if they're in the ward, it, it would be great if they could vote for me. Um, I suppose, actually, um, more on a practical note, um, I just to remember that the deadline for postal voting is um, the 20th of April, I think. I the think 20th of April. Yeah. I'll just I'll just double check. And I will make sure I share all of that and put it on Facebook. Tag as many people as I know in those areas. That that would be fantastic. I can actually see on the website where the deadline for postal votes is. Well, we'll just, I just know that there is a deadline for I mean, postal yeah. votes. There, there is a deadline, yeah. So, and that, so ladies and gentlemen, get your postal votes in, and make sure you vote for Ewan. Or vote, vote, for, vote with your conscience, you know. Yeah. Vote so, for who you truly believe in. <laughs> already a politician with a difference. And that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, was you and Mortimer. It's been good to <laughs> you. Thank you. Thank you. And your voting. Been good in the local by-elections for Salisbury. Check them out. Give them a vote. Get in touch. Ask them some questions. I'm sure will be more than happy to answer them all. Take care. Thank you for listening. <laughs>